Good morning, trade listeners. We're back with another trade roundup. This week we have, well, let me introduce myself first. My name is Anik. I will be moderating this session. I'm here with Andy and Lalo, uh, your regular hosts. We're coming back to old topics, kind of revisiting them, and we have some new updates, changes, lovely reviews for you. So let's get started with our first article, which、um, we're bringing back China. This time it says China's big troubles. Its days as global go-to manufacturer may be coming to an end. Turmoil is just bursting in China, and things are getting very heated. China's GDP is the worst it has been in generations. They call it a geopolitical issue. If something does not change, will the people lash out? Is what they're questioning, and. Who will they let it out on if something bad is happening? If the people are not agreeing with the government, which they're not, because obviously China's suffering a little bit. But let's get to talking. Let's see what Andy and Lalo have to say about this. What I see is the writing on the wall、uh, for for China in the sense that、um, it, it it is in 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 the last generation. This has been the worst、um, GDP. That that's what the article said. And from what I saw was that、um, it's actually. Coming down really hard on their citizens,、um, the 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 people in China,、uh, like a lot of people are defaulting on, you know, like their living expenses, like like their、uh, rent,、um, mortgages, whatever. I, I the, you know, to pay their homes,、um, so that's becoming really、um, troublesome there. And so I guess what I'm just trying to see here is、uh, on what everyone is trying to. Do for that. I mean, I, 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 I'll say this, I guess, and and I, I, I may be wrong, but、um, it seems like if you're not manufacturing in China, then you're manufacturing somewhere else. And it looks like, according to the article, it's、uh, a lot of the other Southeast、uh, Asian countries are the ones that are benefiting from this. You know, so all the other countries in that region are actually. Growing, they're they're building many many more plants <laughs> to to fulfill orders, and、um, and the other thing was that they were talking about if you're not going to fulfill orders in China or or abroad, you're going to do it locally, you know, in inside your own country. I don't know if I see that as an option only because yeah, we can do that, but prices are going to go up for、um, consumers for for normal everyday products, so. Really, that's about what I see here. And、uh, Andy, I know you. You normally have an economic、um, spin to this. Well, it's all right. So the you know, if you listen to the Chinese government or the Chinese press, you wouldn't hear that their economy is suffering. It's always you know rosy. Everything's good. But here's what's happening. This has not just happened. This is. Went back and you go way back where and and people may have called them the Trump、uh, tariffs they that or the the added tariffs and it was like wailing a gnashing of teeth we're increasing the cost of goods being imported into the U S from China. R- remember, China has、uh, has not been they、uh, have not opened up their economy to U S goods or any other country for that matter. So. You know, in the case when Trump at the time was pushing back, whether it was the right thing to do or not, I'm not going to debate that. I'm just saying that it started there. 
with that, then you had the addition of the, and I think this is where more and more of the uh, the teeth of what's going on to their economy is tearing it up, is it's it's beginning to more and more happen where um, the anti-slavery, uh, forced labor prevention acts uh, that are being passed here in the U.S. and around the world, and that is having a big impact where goods uh, are being rejected. So people are canceling orders. If it comes out of the Northwest quadrant of China for the Uyghurs and the, and the Bettans and all of that, then you take it a step further where companies over the last, what, three years have been looking at moving away from China as a source. And they're looking at alternatives. As you just said, there's a lot of Southeastern uh, countries that are building plants. More plants are going into uh, Mexico, if you will, and other parts of the world and becoming another source other than China. So you've got a combination of several things that are going on. And as such, the Chinese uh, GDP is taking a hit. So here's another thing that came on. People were fed up with the lockdowns. There was a complete lockdown of the whole city, all those kinds of things, right? They were going through it again. People were revolting against that, if you will. And uh, eventually the Chinese government, you know, did relax some things, but they'll never admit that it came from, you know, the, the demonstration. Hopefully it goes a better route. We will obviously be following this up every single week if there is something happening. But we're going to skip to our next article always. Also kind of ties it in. The headline is, is it time for supply chains to break out the pre-pandemic playbook? The industry is kind of seeing like, is that is that what we need to do? Or what should we just do a new playbook? So basically what they were saying is, just going back to the basics will not mean ditching the new technologies that streamline um, the processes and allow industry players to make good analytical decisions. So meaning like we're just kind of adapting old, going back to the old, how we did things, how things weren't that complicated. And um, they're talking about the building blocks, which is funny because we have a course that um, is called building blocks and it's about all the building blocks there are in trade, which is, what they're also talking about. And there's seven on them. I'm going to mention them and then we're going to dive in. It's cost management, strategic sourcing, risk management, supply chain, optimization, visibility, collaboration, and compliance. Very important things. How should we do it? Well, first of all, Lalo and Andy, I want to question you. Um, do you think we should, we're ready to go to pre-pandemic? Do you think that's even possible or what's your decision here? As a business owner, um, what we did here at our company during the pandemic actually accelerated everything that we were trying to do in the before the pandemic. What does that mean? Um, like streamline our businesses. Uh, I can tell you right now, we pay a lot less for some services because we had to, you know, we didn't have the income coming in that we normally had during the before the pandemic. So we became more streamlined. Like we we did more with what we had. Doesn't mean that we cut down on like we actually increased the number of webinars that we did and the number we just did where we're doing a lot more except live webinar live seminars. I'm sorry. Um, 
but what that means to what, what I'm trying to say is we became more efficient. What if some people, like how you kind of described it, figured out some things that work better for them? And maybe even now after pandemic is like is working that much better and they've only figured it out because of the pandemic. So I think sometimes there is some positive to it or some it, it, that's kind of what you were saying, right? Okay, um, listen, I agree with what Lalo is saying. Here's the thing. It's with in, intense pressure and extreme heat, a diamond. All right. So when you have a disruption in like the pandemic of the supply chain, it's created a tremendous amount of pressure and heat, if you will, stress and pressure and all that kind of stuff. All right. So it forces you when that's the situation to analyze things and, and figure out things and, and look outside the box of your traditional um, conventional way. Many, many, many of us over the years have become complacent. And what happened is the pandemic took us and just smacked us a good one. And it forced us to go, oh, I always go to China for my sources, or I've always done this, or I've always done that. And then when it is completely disrupted, you it forces you to have to look at things. Case in point, ocean. The ocean ports were backing up. Even if you moved away from China, but you wound up going to, you know, uh, let's say Taiwan or, or Australia or, you know, some other Korea or whatever, and you're moving those goods via ocean, the Western ports were still backed up with all the different ships out there. Well, guess what? You're on the water. What do you do? It forces you to do things. Now things are a bit more normalized. Now we're at a point where let's not put ourselves into this. We were in survival mode. Now, as Lalo was saying, he goes in and, and you're going in and you're looking at things. So I, I love what you guys are saying. And it, yeah, you have to stay in contact with the other areas. Will we become complacent again? Let's hope okay. not. Um, so the next article will kind of follow up with this one. Um, we're, we're talking about leveling up today, I think. This is like what the podcast's about, leveling up. Um, Nearshoring is the new reality in international trade, says head of Global Free Zones body. Whatever that means was very fishy to me. Um, but what I did really find interesting is that someone said, I mean, this article is all about nearshoring and kind of how the changes are happening, technology, blah, blah, blah. But someone says, adding that Adding that embracing a global outlook and openness for remote cooperation is more important now than ever. What does that exactly mean? Like outlook and openness for remote cooperation. Like what are they, what are you talking about remote operations? Companies are looking at because of this supply chain disruption where if you can run and reach your, from your distribution one distribution center and reach globally, it's fine. The problem is, is that there's been so much disruption now that if you're nearshoring, your inventory at least will be uh, local or somewhat regional. So it's going to be easier to get it to your 
customer. That's what we're talking about here. Nearshoring operations closer to the customer. And, you know, then with multiple distribution centers, they can also back each other up. But that's what we're coming in. So then your question of being able to collaborate a little bit better outside your own company is one, Lalo and I talk about this constantly, talk to your other departments, your purchasing, your your uh, legal department, your IT, your your transportation, your compliance, your customer service, all those kinds of things. Collaborate on that, but then extend that out to not only your suppliers and work on your supply chain, but then also your end customers so that you're looking at, you know, what do you do with what I give you? Here's what I do with what you give me. That means, you know what, if I gave you one other bit of information, would that help them be more streamlined or vice versa? It says it's estimated to contribute about up to $16 trillion to the global economy by 2030. Well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. He, he's making reference uh, to AI. artificial intelligence. Well, see, that's when I was also a little confused. Yeah. So that's that's a different. Okay. Yeah. That Okay. In the article, he's talking about collaboration up and down the chain and, and, and outside your norms. In. Yeah. Then they threw in the, yeah, then they threw in the deal with technology, which should also help automate certain things. And, you know, the big fear is it's going to eliminate jobs. It will eliminate some clerical type things and at the same time open up more jobs that support the AI and other things like that. So there's going to be this migration and transition from jobs today. Every time there's addition or, or introduction of new technology, one uh, job sector may be shut down, but another one opens up. So it's like, you know, not to fear it, but how to embrace it and move forward. And hence the comment in the article was that AI, according to them, would add, what, what was the number? You said 16 trillion. I could see 1.6 trillion added to the global economy through AI. But but that's by 2030, so so it'd still be a while, another seven more years. So it yeah. Okay, well this what well, what do you guys think of nearshoring? What do you think of nearshoring, or what will it mean for us in other places? Like what will it do, or what is it doing? Is well, I don't. I mean, like, I mean, Mexico is a very good example of nearshoring. I mean, the, the, the you're you're bringing all the manufacturing a lot closer to home, you know, so. That that's you know, and it's still economical to do that. So I mean, what will it do? And who knows? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, will it also reduce? No, I don't want to go there. I mean, it it'll it'll increase, of course, uh, employee em, employment and 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 uh, and you know, and yeah, it creates jobs for for that economy. And you know, that's obviously something that countries like Mexico and Central and South America would would benefit tremendously from. Well, what it also does too is allows for again product to get closer to the customer. But I mean, let's look at it. Uh, and and Lalo is a great example there. You know, when NAFTA first came into play. Mexico's manufacturing just exploded. There was a lot of great stuff in there, and then as China developed. A lot of manufacturing left Mexico and went to China and left other countries like the U.S. and others and went to China. 
And then during the uh, supply chain disruption, I'm not talking just now the uh, pandemic. I'm talking before that, there was a major problem with some things. I, I, th- I want to go back. It may have been there in the economic downturn of 08 and 09 and other times. But there's I, there again, the, the Western ports were backed up. It was just crazy. You could the, the goods were being manufactured. They were on the water about three or four times more than they should have been because they couldn't get into the port to be unloaded. And people looked at that going, you know, we need to, we're too vulnerable to one supply chain source. And hence, some of that came back to Mexico, even if it wasn't 100% of the sourcing, it was some of it. Because that way, if China had a problem again, they still had some product moving in from Mexico and they could ramp up. That's what that nearshoring comes into play. It gives you flexibility that in the event something happens, you now have um, you, you're not completely vulnerable to something that goes on. Yeah, and we have um, a fun fact, which is a kind of a, like a more intelligent fun fact, um, only because probably most of the listeners will know this fact, and I partially partially knew this fact, but not fully. So we have the biggest importers of the world, which is number one. The United States of America, obviously, to China, but who knows what will happen with them. Three, Germany. Woo, that's where I'm at right now. So um, those are the three ones. So remember, you can bring it up at your dinner table or something. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess we can close it out. Um, if you love this podcast please like follow us subscribe do whatever you can because it really helps us keep the podcast going and i know andy and lalo appreciate it very much and please listen to all the other ones if you really want some good trade knowledge with some good trade professionals you have to listen to the other um podcasts because they're amazing um but yeah have a great rest of your i guess it should be sunday or monday something like that day sunday whoa great sunday you can or you can listen to this um driving to work that's what i would do so yeah i'm gonna wrap this up thank you lalo thank you andy for educating me again and have a great rest of your day simply trade is not a law firm or an advisor the topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situations. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error-free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed.